0: good morning church hi how's everybody doing i'm great for those of you who don't know me i'm mike and uh hi i usually work with the high schoolers so if you see me running around on sundays it's because i'm with high schoolers and on monday i pay the price because i am no longer as young as i used to be now that being said gary allen and tim were wanting to get some younger guys up here so, we are starting a new sermon series today, and the younger guy will be up here next week. Um, Nathan and I are doing a, a sermon series on signs. Now, this summer, if you were here, hearing anything Gary said, he referenced signposts into the fog or mist, I always get it mixed up, a lot. And how we're not told exactly what's going to happen, but we're given signposts that guide us along the way. And uh, so, Alan approached me and uh, Nathan, and he was like, what about signs? I was like, that's a really good idea. So, we're going to be talking about four different signs that you see, road signs specifically. Um, And today, we're going to be talking about the sign Merge. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands of people who drive in the right lane all the way up to the last possible minute and then cut us all off because you're sinners and you need to repent. Um, But... But we all know and have seen people and are probably sitting there like, I just want to sit in half of the lane so you can't do that. I'm, by the way, I speak out of weakness when I talk. Uh, but uh, they're, down, down here, I live in East Alton and coming home from work, I drive underneath the train tracks and there's three lanes. There's a turn lane, which I'm always in, and I try to get over as soon as I can so people can be in the straight lane. And then there's the straight lane. And then there's this lane with a bunch of signs and arrows that says right turn only. And there's always one Yahoo who drives as fast as he can through there and cuts over in the middle of the intersection. And I'm like, again, I speak out of weakness. But we're going to talk about what it means to merge. And actually, the question on the notes in your bulletin is, does God want you to blend in? Now, does God want you to merge with the people around you? In our world... We have a very politically correct world to the point I get a headache a lot of the times. That you'll be saying something, and I've heard this. That's someone you'll say something, and somebody will be like that's not the truth I believe. Or who do you think you are to say that's a sin? Which that's happened to me um, here. I was up here one Sunday morning. and I said something. I said God calls this a sin, and then this gentleman approached me and said, Who do you think you are to call that a sin? But, well, I read the scripture that said that was a sin. I don't know. Um, but we have people all around us that are trying to get us to blend in. And if you don't think that Christianity tries to blend in, let me give you a little example of how we've changed. In the 50s and 60s, there was this great TV show called I Love Lucy. How many of you guys like I Love Lucy? Yeah, it's a good, good show. Quality, right? Wholesome programming. What do you remember about Lucy and Ricky's bedroom? Two separate beds. Did you know the first time they showed Lucy and Ricky's bedroom, Lucy and Ricky were fully clothed. Lucy was in a dress. Ricky was in a suit. They weren't next to each other in the bedroom. There was two separate beds. They were on separate sides of the bedroom. Talking. There was an uproar that they would show a married couple's bedroom on television. An uproar. Move forward to today. Thank you. Alright. Um so if if you don't think we as a group struggle with this, there you go. There are there are many things. Like I joke around about the merge sign, but there's other road signs I fail to obey. I stop! Speed of it, James has ridden with me. I have a big foot. I yield. Sometimes. Slowly. Surely. Maybe. Um, in 1 Corinthians 1.18, in the New Century Version, it says, the teaching about the cross is foolishness to those who are being lost. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So, as Christians, we are living in this world, and we live in a way that seems stupid to some people. It just seems backwards. I've had conversations with guys that I used to work with where Cassie and I were getting married, and one of these guys comes up to me, and he's like, so you test drove that car yet? Why do I need to test drive a Ferrari? I know what I'm getting. And he thought I was retarded. That's what he told me. I'm like, no, that's not how we live. And he thought I was stupid. The way I live looks stupid to some people. Looks foolish to some people in the world. Because they don't understand the power of the cross. So, if we're supposed to be separate, if we're supposed to be different, what does God want from us? How are we supposed to stand out? Because the simple answer is, We're not supposed to blend in. Well, I thought of four ways. I know there's more. But I thought of four ways in Scripture that God tells us how to stand out. There's some notes in your bulletin if you want to follow along. So number one, the first way we stand out is we are called to be salt. Now, I said salt, not salty. Don't be salty. You're called to be salt. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, it says... You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Everyone in your life should have an opinion about your faith. Just like they have an opinion if they want salt on their food. Now, I understand... Some of us don't like a whole mess of salt on their, on their food. Take my house, for example. On mornings where I cook breakfast, or let's face it, dinners where I cook breakfast, um, and I make eggs. One daughter likes fried eggs. The other daughter likes scrambled eggs. I usually make two different types of eggs because I want my kids to eat. They both like salt on their eggs. I like salt on my eggs. I like a sprinkle of sea salt. Life will take the salt shinker. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) But you guys have an opinion if you want salt on your food. People in your life need to have an opinion if they want your faith interacting with their life. Um, Some people, even lifelong friends, may decide that they don't want your faith to interfere with their life. There are there are people in that I have met and that I have been friends with who, after they see the way I live my life, have decided that I look down on them and they don't want that in my life. Now, I've never looked down on them. I never condemn somebody for the way they're living. My life is just different than theirs and they just assume that I'm going to condemn them, that I'm going to argue with them, and I'm going to say that's wrong. And they leave. In John, chapter 15, verses 18 through 25, it says, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name. For they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But somehow they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen and yet have hated both me and my Father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. We have to remember as Christians that people in the world hated Christ before they ever hated us. There are going to be times where you guys are going to feel persecuted and rejected and shunned and all of those words that fit there. But you've got to remember, they're not doing that to you. It feels like it. But they hated Christ first. And if we as Christians are Christs, our problems are Christs, and people rejecting us are rejecting Christ. So we're called to be salt. We're called to be something that is very evident and stands out a lot. Second way that we're supposed to stand out is we are called to be light. In Matthew five, fourteen through sixteen. It says, You are the light of the world. A town on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So when I read this passage, I see two things. One, Our faith should be evident. So let's say there's a detective investigating your life. I hope you didn't do anything wrong. Um, But let's say there's a detective investigating your life, whether or not you're a Christian. There should be evidence that you were a Christian. He should be able to find evidence of your faith. That's number one. Number two, our faith should be obvious. Now that seems kind of hand in hand, but some evidence is hard to find other evidence like there's blood all over that wall. Somebody died. That's obvious. Some of you looked at me today and you're like, Mike, you look different than you normally do. Normally I wear sandals. I wear shorts, maybe a t-shirt, sometimes a collared shirt. I decided I was going to get dressed up today. I'm wearing these nice pants that Pat and Emily bought me for their wedding. I got a nice shirt on. And some of you notice something else. It kind of stands out. <laughs> it's the glasses. <laughs> when you wear size 16 shoes and you find a pair of shoes in the store, you buy them. You don't ask what color they are. You say, yes, please. And then when you get up to the register and you find out they're only $29, you ask if there are more. There weren't. But look at these beauties! I don't need flashlights at night. They glow. They're awesome. Now, the funny thing about these shoes is every time I wear them, at least one person mentions them. This morning, between the two services, the teacher service, and now like six, people are like, whoa, dude. I like your shoes. Thanks. I do too. They fit. Uh, I got them last year before the Super Bowl, and uh, it happened to be, I was rooting for the Broncos, so I put on a blue shirt. I'm like, I don't have anything orange. Wait, yes I do. Bam, and I took a picture and sent it to my brother-in-law who was a big Broncos fan, and I think he was offended. Um, but it should be obvious that you're a Christian just by the way you live. In Ezekiel 22, verse 30, God is talking to Ezekiel here. And he says, I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land. So I would not have to destroy it, but I found no one. Let me give you a little bit of reference here. Back in the day, we had walls to protect us. The fortresses had walls. Castles had walls. Cities had walls. Right now, my daughters and I are rewatching Avatar the Last Airbender, and they just Bossing Se just fell because there was a hole in the wall. For those of you who watched Avatar, everybody else's eyes are rolling in the back of their head. Um, but back in the day, there was walls to protect you. And if there was a hole in the wall, you had a problem. The enemy could get in. If you watch the movie The Kingdom of Heaven, at one point, the wall is breached by Salah Hadim. And Orlando Bloom's character rallies the troops to stand in the wall, to fight. Do you think if there's a hole in your wall and there's a dude standing there, the enemy's not going to see him? That guy is going to stand out like a sore thumb. Uh, They called it the thin red line because people who stood in the wall didn't last very long. But because it was obvious to everybody around that there was somebody filling that hole. Our faith should be obvious as as light. Everything around us is darkness. God is looking for people to stand for Him in the face of adversity. People who are willing to stand in that gap. Can the people around you see a difference in the way you live? Seriously ask yourself that question. Can people see that I am different than everybody around me? Number three, third thing. So we're called to be salt. We're called to be light. We are called to be a royal priesthood. In 1 Peter chapter 2, it says, As you come to Him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to Him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. But you are a chosen people A royal priesthood. You see, back in the day when Israel was still a thing, they had the temple, there was an order of priests. And the priests were at the temple every day. But that wasn't the only place that there were priests. If you read the Old Testament, there are priests out and about. Out and about helping the people. The Levites were servants. They were there to serve God by serving His people. Are we out and about there are many people hurting in the dark of the world. And like I said, we're supposed to be light. But we're supposed to go out, outside of the temple, outside of this building. I don't know about the rest of you guys, but one Sunday morning I did not just wake up and decide to go to church. When I was younger, my parents took me. And then in college, um, Cassie started going to this thing called Bible Talk. And uh she's like, this is actually pretty cool. You should come. And I was like, all right. So I tried it. And I was like, yeah, this is pretty cool. we we'll talk about God. We have fun. It's great. Well, uh there was a Sunday morning that I wasn't working. And they were like, hey, why don't you come to church? Check it out. I'm like, all right, I'll come to church. Check it out. It happened to be Easter. They did a play thing where they put Jesus on trial. And Jesus looked like a hippie. But if you watched Jesus Christ Superstar, you're OK with that. Um <laughs> And it was really weird because all these people hugged me and they clapped while they sang, which, by the way, I can't sing and clap. I can either clap or sing. That's all. So this morning, I helped lead worship in the back and I started clapping at first. I was like, nope. Because I couldn't sing. So I was like, this is just weird. But I came because somebody invited me. Now, I know there might be one, maybe two people here who just showed up one Sunday without knowing anybody, but it's not normally how it works. Normally, outside of this building, people from this building meet people or people from another church meet people and they go to church because somebody decided, I'm called a royal priesthood, I'm going to go be a priest. I'm going to go be a minister. Because if you're a Christian, you're a minister. Whether you know it or not. My daughters, my daughters are way better ministers than I am. Way better. Outside of our house. But that's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to go out into the world. So we're salt. We're light. We're a royal priesthood. And because we're a royal priesthood in Matthew 28:18 through 20 Jesus is talking, a lot of us know this. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. See, it's not just a suggestion that we go out into the world it's kind of a command. So that's the last passage of Matthew, Jesus talking. And he says, go. It's not just something we're supposed to hold on to by ourselves. Alright, number four. So we're salt, we're light, a royal priesthood. We're also called a holy nation. We're called to be a holy nation. Back in 1 Peter chapter 2, it says, but you are a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Okay, so holy. We're a holy nation. So we're a group of people that doesn't have a boundary on a map, on any of our maps. And we're holy. Holy means to be set apart. So we're a group of people that are set apart for God's work. What does it mean to be set apart? Mike, you're not not—you're you're telling us that we have to be separate. No, I'm telling you to be set apart. Okay, so a few months back, July 5th is my youngest daughter's birthday, and we were celebrating her sixth birthday. We decided on a Tuesday night we were going to take a small group of her friends to Edison's because, for those of you who don't know, on Tuesdays at Edison's in Edwardsville, $12 gets you an unlimited arcade card. Beautiful. All the ski ball you want. It's fantastic. Um, and so we, ha- we met as a little family, ate our dinner, people started showing up, we gave all the kids their cards, said, have fun, stay in that area. And so there was little kids running around, like, ah, the swipe, swipe, play. It's great. It was fantastic. Well, after about an hour and a half, hour, we called them all back and said, hey, it's time to cut the cake. And we, car picked out a cookie cake, and uh, Before I even put the candles on the cake, Kara goes, I want that piece. She already saw, she knew I was going to cut it in squares. She already knew that there was going to be certain squares, and she knew what square she wanted before I cut it. That piece of cookie was set apart for Kara. It was still a part of the big cookie, but it was different. It was separate while still a part of the whole. It was set apart for Kara's delight. And she delighted in it once I cut the cake. We are God's cookie. Go with me on this. I know that's weird. God chose us out of the giant cookie cake before it was cut. He knew that we were going to be set apart for His delight. We are a group of people set apart for God. Are you living that way? Because God chose you. He wants to use us, and He wants His holy nation to grow. Okay, so that's four ways God wants us to be Set set apart from the world. To be different from the world. To not merge with the world. So what? That's great. Got that knowledge. What do we do with it? Glad you asked. First thing. First thing we do is we live as foreigners. In 1 Peter 2, continuing on. Starting in verse 11. It says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul." Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority, or to governors who are sent by Him to punish those who do wrong and to condemn those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. There was a lot there. Let's read one more passage before we break that down. In Philippians 3, verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so, I'm not going to play a stereotype card. But, we essentially have a work visa in this world as Christians. We are foreigners. Now, I don't know how many immigrants you have worked with or been around. All of the ones that I have ever been around are really hard workers because they didn't grow up here feeling entitled to the American Dream. A lot of them moved here seeking the American Dream, understanding that they were going to have to work for it and they were going to have to work hard because it doesn't come easy, or at least it's not supposed to. We are immigrants. We are foreigners. We are exiles, is what that passage said. Are we living like it? Or are we trying to fit in and be entitled to what we think we're deserving? Again, you have a work visa to be here as a Christian. So, what does that mean for you? It means something different for everybody. I can't tell you what it means for you. If you're not born into a nation, I don't know what that looks like in our world, because I grew up here. I deal with the entitlement crap. I try to work hard. I really do. But sometimes I'm fat and lazy like every other American. But we have a work visa to be here. Second thing I see. We live in a way that brings honor to the good news of Christ. So in that Peter passage we just read, where he talks about all those things at the end of the verse that he tells us. He tells us to... Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. All those things bring glory to the good news of Christ. But there's another passage. In Philippians one through 27-30. Paul's writing to the Philippians. He says, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then... Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. And then in Colossians 3:23, Paul's writing again. He says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as if working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. We should live our lives in a way that brings glory to the gospel of Christ, to the good news, to Christ Himself. Everything we do should bring glory. Again, I speak out of weakness. I fail a lot. I had to apologize to my daughters when I got home because lately I've been a grump. Because I've been tired and I've been sore. And they have been bickering and not listening. Blatantly defiant. Um, some, of my, some of our friends here... Uh, actually, it was Paul. Paul the other night. Paul Mariolis the other night came up to me. He's like, hey, I saw a car and Cassie at Half Music the other other day. And what's going on with Kara? <laughs> I'm like, we're going through a stage. <laughs> it's it's fine. We'll be fine. But I had to apologize for my grumpiness because I failed in my patience with my girls. Um, it, I fail with my wife often and frequently, and I try not to. Um, but it's me being human. But that repentance that comes after it, that trying to change. That's godly. That's what brings glory to God. And me living that life consistently, hopefully, one day, um, I want to bring glory to God through the way I live. So, there was one other thing that came to me yesterday. So, uh, I went to school to be a photographer. Uh, when I graduated, my mom and I started a photography company. Uh, but I work in a steel shop too. So the photography's kind of been on the side burner, but we got to shoot a wedding yesterday. It was a really awesome wedding. Um, the bride was beautiful. The brides always beautiful. I've never seen an ugly bride. Um, I'm sure they exist. I just haven't seen them. Uh, but, um, it was really cool because we knew the family. Um, it's my sister-in-law's cousin who got married. And, um, so we knew a lot of people there and we were just having a great time. Uh, but it was really obvious who the bride was. Right? Have you been to a wedding and couldn't tell who the bride was? I've never been to a wedding and couldn't tell who the bride was. <laughs> Thank you. I needed that. Golem wearing a wedding dress. Love it. Uh, but it was really obvious who the bride was, right? <laughs> Wait, how did you sign Smeagol's voice? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, but it was, again, really obvious who the bride was, right? Did you know in Scripture, the church is called the Bride of Christ? We're referred to as the Bride of Christ. In, in Ephesians, which by the way, we just went through the book of Ephesians in the sermon series before this. It was really good. suggest you listen to it. Before that, was this, uh, empowered by the, uh, talking about the Holy Spirit. Also really good. Um, but in the book of Ephesians, it talks about wives and husbands and how they should love each other. And it talks about how the husband should love the wife as Christ loved the church and gave up his life for her. Christ's wife is the church. Do we live like the bride of Christ? I mean, personally, do we live as the bride of Christ? And then corporately, as this giant group, do we live as the bride of Christ? Is it obvious? Are we the one in the white gown and sparkly and pretty? And I don't know, that kind of struck me yesterday. I wanted to share that thought with you guys. So, wrapping up. If you are a Christian here today, you have already received your heavenly citizenship. You are already a child of God. You are already in the kingdom of heaven. Are you living like it? Are you the bride of Christ? Are you living as salt? Are you light? Are you a holy nation? Part of a holy nation? A royal priesthood? And I want to challenge you, if you're not, Be different. If you watched the news this past week, you saw people being different down in Texas. You saw—I saw lines of men with boats driving to Texas. I know that took time and money, because time is money, money is money, and they drove from all over to drive. Which was—had it not been a disaster, that would have been awesome, because they were driving boats down streets. But it sucked because it was a disaster. They went to rescue people and animals. And they were different. I mean, because I stayed here. You saw people living different. And a lot of them were talking about God as they were doing it. So are we different? Is it obvious? If you're not a Christian here this morning, I want to ask you and then beg you to find somebody who is and ask them What's this difference? What does that mean? Find out what it means to become a Christian. Find out what God has done for you so that you can be different, so that you can become a child of God. Because even if you aren't a Christian, God has set you apart. You just don't know it yet. In, in John 3 16, Jesus died, says Jesus died for everybody, not just for the saved. So I want to ask you, if you're not a Christian here this morning, talk to somebody. Um, talk to anybody you've seen up here or, or people around you. We'd love to talk to you about what it means to be a Christian and to be set apart. In your bulletins, there is a communication card. You have a chance to fill that out if you want. There's a side on the right hand for prayer. Uh, we have a prayer team that prays every week. And it's confidential. If you mark confidential, not everyone is going to see it. But if you have a need, fill that out. Our prayer team will pray for you. Uh, You can put that card in the offering plate. In a few minutes, they're going to sing and pass an offering plate. Uh, One thing I love about our church that struck me as being different is that we ask you, if you're a guest here, to not donate anything. Uh, We didn't ask you to come to church this morning to get something from you. We wanted to give you something. For the members, that's the time you can put your contribution in the plate as we pass it. I want to wish and hope that you guys have a great another day off for those of you who get one. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. We're, we're going to the corn maze and we're shooting guns, not at the same time. That's going to be great. Um, so I'm looking forward to the rest of this weekend and I, I wish you guys the best. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You so much um, for Your Kingdom, for giving us uh, the opportunity to live different, to live set apart and holy for You. Uh, thank You for sending Your Son to die on the cross for us so that we can. Um, I pray that uh, You have spoken through me today, um, that you kicked Mike out of the way and, and used me to say what You needed to say. I pray that uh, somebody heard what they needed to hear and that um, Your will can be done, Father. That Your kingdom can be advanced. Um, I'm so grateful for this place and this, the people here um Bless them, Father. Uh, Help them have a safe weekend. Be with the people uh, in our congregation who are sick and dealing with cancer and all types of other ailments. And um, heal them, Father, if it's your will. Uh, Again, thank you so much for this place and for your Son. In your name I pray. Amen.